All right, let's get in the Word. I'm excited about what God's going to do and say to us tonight. We started out a brand new series last Wednesday night entitled Praying Like Jesus. So here's going to be our opening verse. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 9 or chapter 1 of Luke chapter 11. I'm sorry, verse 1 starting there. Uh, Luke chapter 11 verse 1. Now Luke's gospel comes out a little bit different, just a tad, uh, than what Matthew's gospel does. Luke's gospel evidently brings this part of the uh, message of Jesus in after the disciples have been with him a little while. They've watched him heal the people. They've watched him uh, provide. They've watched him no doubt turn water to wine and such as that. And then they come to Jesus as he was praying. Let's read it together. Follow with me. Now as it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say. I kind of find it interesting because John also had followers and John was getting people to follow him. And so it was obvious that John was teaching his disciples to pursue the things of the Lord, his followers. And these disciples that had been with Jesus now have evidently seen all of these great miracles, all of these great things that Jesus had done, and they attributed one key to it. We notice that when he's alone and he says he's going to go pray, that when he comes back, miraculous things happen. Notice of everything they could have asked for, they could have asked for power, they could have asked for authority, they could have asked, hey, I want to be able to open blind eyes, I want to see the deaf, they could have asked for all of that, but they didn't, they just asked for one thing, master, will you teach us how to pray? And then Jesus gives them what we would call the model prayer or the Lord's prayer, and he said, our father, which art in heaven, how would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, uh, or give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead, uh, lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So now he gives them a model to pray. And notice the first thing that he said. He said, when you go to pray, this is how we're to pray. Our Father. Last week, if you were here, I'm not going to run through everything. One of the things that Jesus did, he began to set a new precedence with heaven that we are to come as sons and daughters with the most, uh, to the most high. A lot of time we pray religiously. We pray to, this, to, to God. Well, we do, but we pray more religious than we do as family members or as the sons and daughters have, have an access with him in a greater measure than we've ever had through the blood and through the work of Jesus. And he said this, he said, now, he said, I want you to pray this way, our Father which art in heaven. Then notice what he, how he, he led them. He said, hallowed be your name. We're giving him honor. He, wasn't, he was not disrespecting God in any form. Matter of fact, I believe he was giving him extreme respect by acknowledging you're the heavenly Father. But he said, pray your kingdom come. Now, this is very important that we understand why he said, pray your kingdom. How many knows that what the first message of Jesus was? The gospel of the kingdom. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, I think they got some passages up there. Uh, if you don't mind, throw, I think it's Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, from the time that Jesus began to preach and say, repent or turn, remember what repentance means, let's have a change of mind, let's turn around, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now John, before him in chapter, I uh, think it is chapter 
4, chapter 3 rather, John came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and John said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He was saying it's coming. But when Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, here's the words. He's saying it's here, it's right now. Everybody say it's now. So what was the kingdom all about? Well, let's look at another passage of Mark chapter 4. Go to that. I believe it's chapter verse 20. If you'll throw that up there for me. I think that's where it is. 21, right? Matthew 4 verse 21. They're working on it. It's coming. Book of Matthew. There. No, that's not the one. I wanted Matthew. I'm sorry I told you, Mark. My fault back there. Or verse 23, and Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues, listen, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What did he preach? The good news of the kingdom. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. So what is he preaching? Good news of the kingdom. Now look at what he said. And healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. Go to the next verse for me. And then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. Notice what the word says now. And those who were demon possessed epileptics, paralytics, and what did he do? He healed them. Let's go to the next verse. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis and Jerusalem, Judea and beyond the Jordan. Now look at what takes place in the kingdom. All right? There's healing in the kingdom. When we understand and acknowledge kingdom life, he's talking about a lifestyle, not a place. Because Paul said it, I believe it is, that the kingdom is not here or there. Maybe Jesus said that, I can't remember exactly. But the kingdom is within you. So when we're preaching the kingdom, we're not talking about if I could just get over there, everything will be all right. No, Jesus said the kingdom has come and the kingdom will be in you. So what is in the kingdom? There's healing. We're supposed to be different, those that are living in the kingdom. Come on, I want you to see this. Because one of the number one needs of the day, evidently the people were greatly sick. They were greatly broken. They were, notice, notice there were all kinds. They were demonized. They were vexed by devils. And everything else was going on among the kingdom or among the people at the time. But when the kingdom life entered in, all of that began to exit. Notice something else that began to happen when all this began to take place. Great multitudes followed Jesus. Why? Because people wanted to be well. People wanted to be healed. People wanted the life that Jesus had for them. So, so I want you to see what is in the kingdom. And I want to remind you of something else. The kingdom is not a place, but a life lived out. And the reason you and I need to understand that because this is what we feel. If I don't get to certain places, then I can't receive what God has. Hello? I think that's one of the things that's happening right now in the revival culture and everything. They're doing it over there, but it's not happening here. And we're missing it. It's the same God over there as the same God is here. Here's something else Jesus was teaching. Remember how he said, he said, When you pray, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here's the deal. The kingdom is a relationship with the Father. Not religious duty or activity. It is a relationship. There's a lot of people that are religious and we do religious things. And religion will always keep us bound up and it will keep us messed up and not really walking in the fullness of what God wants us to walk in. So it's a relationship with the Father. Now I want you to notice something here. 
how Jesus prayed. He said, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We know that the Father is Elohim, that he's God, right? We know that. But he's also Father. And he's also Provider. And he's also Healer. And he's also everything that we have need of. Now, my daughters back here, my children are in here, and they know me as pastor, okay? They're my children, but I'm pastor. But before I'm pastor, I'm father. And I think there's something that we need to understand. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say here. He is our creator God that brought us in, our life giver. That's what a father does. But when I acknowledge him as father, then then I can really acknowledge him as God and see his power manifested through our lives. Hello? My children aren't afraid to come say, Dad, hey, if they need something, thank God they don't. They got their own families. But there was a time when they were home, they didn't mind just coming and say, Dad, this is what I have need of. And you know what they expected Dad to do? To be God. Especially when they were little. Think about it. Our children were like this. My kids, I don't know if yours was. When they were little, we'd go to the market. Dad, I want to ask the son, I don't have the money for it. But they had noticed something Dad did. Dad either wrote out a check Or he had a credit card. So you know what they would say? Dad, where's your checkbook? Because what they were acknowledging in me, that there is a limitlessness of what I can do because, first of all, they saw me operate as father, a loving, compassionate father that wanted to meet their needs. So he said, When you pray, now remember what's in the kingdom. It's a relationship. It's a lifestyle. But in that lifestyle, there's healing. There's deliverance. There's freedom. But it don't stop there. Matthew chapter 6. Let's turn there real quickly. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said this. We'll look at verse 33. He said, take no thought. uh, No, where is that at? Oh, verse 25. He said, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what what you will eat, what you will drink, what... Uh, nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing then he says look at the birds but in verse 33 you've heard this a million times but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you well Matthew's gospel says something let me back up a moment You don't have this back there. But it's interesting because he gives them the model prayer. Where is that at? Oh, verse 8 of Matthew 6, he says something like this. He said, when you don't pray, don't pray like the religious folks. Don't pray like them. that think they're going to be heard for their much speaking and their repetition. He said, therefore, do not be like them. Listen to what he says. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. Wait a minute. Did I read that right? It's on the screen. It's in my Bible. Is it in yours? So the scripture says, he knows what I have need of before I ask. And in the kingdom is everything that you and I have need of. There's not one thing that you and I have need of that God can't supply. So where's our problem at? Where's our problem with access? I think we have to ask questions. If we know, we know that, the word says that, then why do I struggle? I'm going to challenge you tonight. Why are you in the spot you're in? Why are we always in like, well, the devil, we could say that, yeah, but Jesus give us authority over the devil in his kingdom, so I can't really use that for an excuse. So let's look at a couple of things. Are you all okay? I got to do this quickly. Look with me at. Matthew, Matthew 6, 19. 
You've heard this. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust dust destroy, where the thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust and destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to what he says. For where your treasure is, there's your heart. So he's not changing anything. He's still talking about, I'm a father that wants to meet every need that you have. And he's not changing anything. He says we have a heart issue. Matter of fact, we've got a kingdom issue because we don't understand kingdom principle. So when he says, seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness, I'm trying to get what God already has for me by my way. That's where he's talking about doing it righteously. God's been speaking to me this for a week. I sat with Pastor, shared a little bit with him the other day at coffee. The other day I had to be in Illinois, so I was listening to, you know, going through my phone. I wanted something to listen to. I'm listening to preachers in my car, and I come across a guy I really don't know that well. I've heard of him. I know what he does. His name is Gary Kazee. Anybody ever heard of Gary? Uh, And he preaches a lot on finances and such as that. And so I'm listening to him for a few moments, and he told his history, you know, that they were brokered in Job's turkey and how much in debt and all of this until God began to reveal kingdom principles to him that he got a hold of to live. So now he's doing really well. The guy, I mean, he goes all over the country and the world preaching kingdom principles of success and finances and all of that. So he's told a story that really caught my ear. And a few years ago, they were in Ohio when the lottery system of the state of Ohio was almost up to a billion dollars. So he's preaching that, and he's asking, how many of you heard about that? And, of course, he said, it's okay, guys. If you heard about it, we can talk about that. But the year before, a couple years before that, it was way up there as well. It was way, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. And he said, have you heard this before? If anybody, somebody's going to win it. And if somebody's going to win it, it might as well be what? Me. So, he said him and his staff got together. And they decided, he said, now I'm not promoting this. And I'm not telling you it's a thing of the church or it's a thing of the... But he said, my staff got together, a few of us, and we decided if somebody's going to win it, it might as well be us. He said, we put some of our money together, and we bought into the lottery. Until that night, he goes to bed and sleeps. And God speaks to him in a dream and corrects him. And he said, why are you going about trying to get what I already have more than that to supply to you. Now here he's walking in kingdom principle. And God begins to correct. Here's where it says. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. He's actually talking about going about his way of getting it. Because many of us have set and determined, I'm going to do my way of trying to supply what I have need of instead of seeking the kingdom. So he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth because I see this and, I'm, and we lust after what everybody else has. And God said, don't you know that I got more than that and I can supply it for you? Then he makes this comment. I'm still in Matthew Oh, man, I wish. He says in Matthew, then he says something like this. He said, the lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore that light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is what he's talking. He hasn't changed his subject because he's talking about a dark eye. He's just saying, if you're not looking through God's perspectives, you are looking through a dark lens. Then he goes back and talks about money again. And he said, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will serve one or you will be loyal to the other. And you cannot serve God and mammon. And the word mammon there used in that passage absolutely is dealing with money. 
But this is what he's saying. He wasn't saying it's wrong to have money. But they were making money their master instead of God. If I just had this, my life would be okay. God wasn't saying that would change. I like the way somebody said it. I've been rich, I've been poor, but rich is a lot better. Hello? It dictates everything we got. My message isn't about money. I just want you to see what the kingdom is about. And if you don't see that in the kingdom is healing, is deliverance, and is provision, and everything we have need of, we will always live short of what God wants us to have. See, all last week I, I got several calls from out of the country. Our, our messages. Pastor, can you help us? Can you send some funds to help us? This happened and that happened. And these are ministries that cease miracles. I mean, I don't talk about little headaches going away. I'm talking about major stuff. They're seeing people saved by scores and they're seeing miracles. And there's, but then they're turning around asking, can you send me resource? I don't know, maybe it just struck me wrong. And I know we've got need of things. And I thought, God, why can we believe to get people healed? Why can we believe to get people saved? Why can we believe to get people delivered? And we get all excited over that, but we can't get squad of your resources. And we live and lack in want. Because if I just had more resource, the more we could do. And I thought, what's the problem? Because it's the same God that brings the miracle of supply as it is the God that saves the sinner and opens the blind eye and sets the captive free. So he's really not saying that money and supply. He said, I've got everything you have need of. Then he turned around. He said, why are you worrying about your life? You know, most people live in fear, and the number one reason most people live in sickness is because of stress. Stress that's upon our lives, stress because we don't have this, stress because we can't do that. How am I going to pay this? I hear this stuff all the time. And it's stress upon our bodies. And as stress comes, so does sickness and disease enter in. And, and such as that. And Jesus said, Don't worry about that stuff. He said, watch the birds. He said, I take care of all these things. But then he said, seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All of it. Wait a minute. He didn't say some part. He said all. Whatever I would have need of to live my life peacefully and full of joy. And I believe this, to have more than enough that I could be a supply into somebody else. And I'm not just talking about money when I say that. Some of you don't have enough encouragement in you to encourage yourself or anybody else around you. But when you're walking in a God supply, man, I'm encouraged and I'm going to encourage somebody else today. I'm going to lift. I don't have any strength. Well, when you're walking in God's strength, we can lift somebody else up. Hello. So then let's go back to Luke 11, all right? He said, when you pray, pray like this. He said, our Father. Now, there's only in that prayer, there's only one prerequisite or two things that Jesus dealt with. He said, wait a minute, guys. He said, when you pray, make sure that you are, and forgive us of our sins. Listen to what he said. As we forgive, as forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. If you want to get religious, if there is one prerequisite that Jesus said, don't you dare walk around with forgiveness and ought and everything else against other people because you didn't deserve it and I gave it to you anyway. That's the reason he says that. I gave it to you when you didn't deserve it. So in my kingdom, you forgive. And then when he said, lead us not into temptation, I thought, Why, who in the world will think God is going to lead you into a world of sin? That's not what he's talking about. 
He was saying, when you pray, Lord, lead me in your ways. Lead me into your blessings. Show me how to get there. And keep, don't let me fall. I pray that that ought to be the prayer. I pray it all the time. God, I don't want to miss you. So if I'm getting off course, show me. But if I'll trust him, he'll lead me and guide me. Matter of fact, that's one of our values of the church, that we are a Holy Spirit-led people. God will lead you. But then let's don't stop there. I got a little, I, I got 15 minutes, and then we're going to do a little thing that God, God's put in my heart to do, a little exercise that you're going to do. So then he turns it. Look at this. Watch this verse. And then he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Hey, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, will, and he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him, listen to what it says, as many as he has need of. Now notice something here. He didn't just say neighbor. He said, which of you has a friend? Because the deal is relationship is how the kingdom operates. A relationship with God. That's why relationship with one another is so important. Because if you and I don't know how to do life together, and I want to tell you we're better together, then you really don't have a proper relationship with heaven. Hello? So he's talked about being a friend. What did Jesus say in John 15? I no longer call you my disciples, but now I call you my friend. And what do friends do? They share with each other. They get in. So the picture is, he said, here's a man. Think about this. It's hours late. It could be midnight. So somebody unexpectedly shows up and this, this man wants to make sure that he's taking care of his guests and all the restaurants have closed. The markets are closed. So the only place I know to go is I'll go to my friend. So Jesus paints the picture of the friend's house. It's late. He's gone to bed. His babies are in the bed. You know how it is. When you got babies and you don't you dare move. Oh, don't you dare move because you don't want them to wake up and be awake the rest of the night. So the man says, in a sense, which of you having a friend? And notice how, notice something about that picture. He said, he, do not trouble me, for now the door is shut. My children are with me in bed, and I cannot give to you. And notice it doesn't end with the period. Put, can you put that verse back up on the screen? It ends with the question mark. As though he's not making a statement as much as he's asking a question. Will he not because he is a friend? Doesn't matter how late it is. I got friends in this house that I think if we needed something, we could knock on your door. Hey, I've got, I've got something I need from you because you've got what I need. Notice it's a relationship the Hebrews believed in relationships so much. Jesus wants us to see this isn't religious duty because here's what religion does to you. I'm not good enough. I sin through the week. This has happened and that happened. It has nothing to do with that because Jesus has already taken care of everything for us. And we've entered into a love relationship with him like none other through the precious blood and through his broken body. And he says, will you, will he not open the door even though he's friend? And he said, even though he will not rise at the moment, but because he is a friend and you won't quit, but you will be persistent, he will rise up and notice it. He'll not just give you three loaves. I'll give you, if you need six, I'll give you six. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Then look at the next verse. 
So I say unto you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Boy, I've quoted that a lot, prayed that a lot. But when I keep it in perspective of a relationship and what Jesus is talking about here, it brings a whole new light to what. Because Jesus is saying, if you want from me, all you need to do is ask. All you need to do is ask. There's kingdom. I believe we need to be asking questions right now. Not just me, but all of us. Lord, how does your kingdom operate? How does it operate? Because if I'm operating, remember what Peter said when, when Jesus said, uh, who do men say them? You know that story. And, and Peter said, thou art the Christ. And what did Jesus do? Peter, I'm going to now give you keys to the kingdom. Uh, you got keys that can open doors that you haven't been able to open yet. To get things that you haven't got yet. To get resource, to get supply, to get the life of heaven into our lives. Y'all looking at me very strange. But you really ought to be jumping up and down because God wants to supply everything that we have need of. But he said, you've got to ask. He said, ask and you receive. He didn't say, ask and I'll think about it. He said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Look at the relationship picture again. For everyone who asks receives. Wait. Everyone who asks receives. That means you. That means you. That means you, everyone that asks, receive. And he that seeks, is that what it says? Everyone, and he that seeks, find, and he that knocks, it will be open. Listen to this. He said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No, none of us would do that unless you're just totally evil. And there have been people that have done that. The other day I was at Huddle House and one of the waitresses came. She's an older lady. Came. I don't know why she shared this story. She wanted to share a story when she was just a little girl. She was orphaned, raised in a foster home. And the, the lady of the house abused her as a little child. Put her in the corn bin and would lock her up in there. Where big, she said big rats were in there. I'm talking a little girl. And then, and then she said later she was, she'd go from foster care to foster care for a while and went to one place and somebody saw the backside where the whelps said, where did those whelps come from? And they raised up her shirt and there were scars all over her back where she had been beaten. There are evil people that do that. And if we've been treated that way, that's how we think our father is. And many religions, religion teaches us that's what God, you blow it, I'm going to beat your butt. I'm going to whelp you up if you, that's what religion will do to us. I thought, why are you telling me this? But she was talking about the goodness of God. She said all through that, she said, I, God has been good to me. Now she's up in years now, and she's talking about how God has blessed her and supplied. I thought, why are you telling me this? After before I left, I got up and I said, I don't know why you told me, but I want to tell you one thing. I am so sorry that somebody did that to you. And I gave her a hug right there in the middle of Huddle House that you were treated. That was not the will of God, nor the plan of God. But he said, if you that are evil know how to give good things, how much more, shall, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the goodness of the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? I don't have time. You ought to read that in the Passion Translation. It opens it up even into a greater picture. 
Because it's not just talking about an experience. He's talking about the goodness, the greatness of God that comes through the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, Peter said it like this. I wrote some things down. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to what he says. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness... Wait a minute, there's nothing been withheld from us. So you don't think you can live victorious? Live, look at the word. You don't think you can live free? Look at the word. He's given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and virtue. So sometimes look at the picture of that verse. Sometimes you can't have what you don't know. Now, here's, here's something I think is a detriment, could be. I'm, I'm, we're listening to so many things. One day I'm over here. The next day I'm over here. The next day I'm over here. The next day I'm over here. Every one of them is saying something right, but I'm getting confused. Because I don't know what is right. Well, I must be missing it because I'm not doing it like he said. Or I'm not doing it because of what they're saying. And I think that could almost be a detriment because our knowledge is God is the knowledge of the Word of God to know what God has done for us and how his kingdom operates. Verse uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He said, for all the promises of God are in him. Who's the him? Jesus. All the promises of God in him are what? Are what? Okay, so let's answer your question. Is healing the will of God? Is deliverance the will of God? Is prosperity the will of God? All the promises of God in him are yes and amen, which means so be it to the glory of God. You're looking for glory, and you know what God says? The glory is when you live out what I've done for you. One more verse. Philippians 4. In verse 6 says, In everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. He said in everything, every situation, everything. What does everything mean? Everything. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh, I lied to you. I got to do one more verse. First, first John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now, read this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Next verse, please. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the what? The petitions we have asked of him. Now Paul said in Philippians 4, in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication there is also the word petition. Greatly important. I've come to find out this. I heard this the other day. Facebook. If it's on Facebook, it's got to be God. Got to be real. No, just joking. But there was a minister in a little church down south of us. I know the church, and that's why I said it's a little church. It's a little congregation. Not making light of them whatsoever. It's just a small group of people. And I guess pastor's wife is expressing, trying to get people to come to their church. And she said, we just love God so much. And we want to see him move. And that just struck a chord with me. It's a Pentecostal church. Because that's how a lot of people think. But what does that mean? I want to see him 
move. I've had people come and say, I come today because I'm after a blessing. Pentecostal people again. But what does that mean? If Michael would take me out to dinner tomorrow, I could say, I got my blessing. (laughs) Right? If he would take Pastor Val, we'd be double blessed. It'd be a miracle. (laughs) Uh, but, But think about it for a moment. Again, what we want. We got people praying. I'm praying and I'm believing, but you don't have a clue of really what you're praying about. We don't even have a vision of what I'm expecting from God. I got thinking about us as a church. We pray, well, we want to see revival. Okay. I've asked this question all of what is it? What are you looking for? I think everybody could give us an idea of something, but really nobody detailing the outcome of it. We want to see God move in our church. I believe he's moving right now. I really believe that. I believe he's moving while I'm sitting here. Somebody this past week, I can't, oh, I wish I could remember who it was called me up and said, Pastor, just in the course of the service, I was feeling so bad. God healed me in the middle of the service and nobody even touched me. Oh, I wish I'd wrote that down. But that just came just in the last few days. Well, we want to see people saved. Problem is, we're not after people. Because if we're going to operate in kingdom, this is how we think. Everything is going to fall out of the sky. That's how we think. Everything is just, we're going to open up one day and everything's going to be here. That may not be how it happens. And much of the kingdom, and I don't, this is another message in itself, operates in process. And what we miss is not the desire, not the will. But if I don't see anything happening, I may not be operating in the process of the kingdom. You know, our value, our, we, we laid out what our vision is and we're holding to it and I believe it and it's always been in my heart to see this. I want to see people come to the fullness of Christ in every area of their life. If that Bible said they can be wealthy, I want them wealthy. If it says they can be healed, I want them healed. If, they, if it says they can be free, I want them free. In every area of their life, that's my heart. But I can do that with two people. I got Pastor Val and Miss Sherry, and I'm going to keep preaching it to them until they're absolutely on top. That's our. That's what we real. That's why we exist. I believe it. But there's also something else in me as a pastor. I want to see this house overflowing. I want to see it overflowing with people of every color, of every walk of life. I want every time somebody walks in these doors, I want to see people saved, healed, filled, delivered, set free by the power of God. I want to see them standing in line outside. But you'd be surprised. Wait a minute, I've heard people say this. Well, Pastor, I want to see people saved, but I don't want to go to a big church. Pastor, I want to see people healed, but as long as it's the ones that's already there. Hello? You'd be surprised. I've heard pastors. I was with the pastor the other day, just took to church. I met with him in Illinois. And I said, I've heard pastors say this. I would rather have 50 people that are quality on fire for God than to have 500 that are living like hell. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What is your purpose, Jack? But we've heard that. I'm not fooling. I've heard people say, and I love the Facebook post. This always catches me. They'll put, you know, I don't know how they do it. I wish I was more intelligent. But they would put a big church like Joel Osteen's on the top and it's full of people. And they have this little church at the bottom with about five people in the pew. On top, it's compromise. On the bottom, it's holiness. 
Oh, how messed up our view of the things of God. And I want to walk in the fullness of God. You want a fire to get bigger? Keep bringing more wood. And let's keep stacking it up. Because the more wood we put on it, the bigger the fire begins to get. But I begin, God began to speak to me about our vision. Not I, When I'm saying, we're, I'm not changing our vision. We're holding to our vision. Those are things that I've got a desire in me to see beyond. I love it when this house is messed up with white, black, Hispanics, Asians, Africans, everything under the sun. I'm believing for that every week. I believe in they're going to be standing in line, Jerry, to get in this place. They're not, and it messes me up. It disappoints me, but I know it's the will of God. Oh, Pastor, I don't believe it. Well, what did Jesus say? He said to, in one of, the, one of the passages, one of the gospels, he talked about, he said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. That my house... See, I know, I know you're going to hit me already. Well, he's not talking about the church house. Well, wait a minute. If we the church and we're going to see our nation saved, don't you think one of the first places it ought to be filled is in here and not just out there? I know I'm beyond pre-teaching. I'm, I'm preaching now. And then, But what are you praying for? Well, I just want the blessing of the Lord in my life. I'm praying that all will be well. Well, what does that mean? I got to ask you that question. Well, I just want God's blessing. I want his will. What did John say? If we ask anything according to his will. So you're, I'm gonna, we're going to do something for a few moments. We've got 10 minutes left. Larry, will you help me? Michael, I need your help. You're back up on your feet. So give everybody, don't fall down again. You're not in the spirit, all right? So give everybody one of those. This is what I want you to do. You're going to need a pen. If you don't have one, there's one in front of you and in your seat, and you're welcome to take that pen home. Or give it away to somebody that, you don't, that doesn't know us. Give it away to them. Advertise for us. But here... How many of you have got a life vision? A life vision. Oh, really? Why aren't we living it out? Okay. So this is what I want you to do. I'm not asking you to do something you can do and you know that you're going to have to think about, but this is what, what I want you to do. I'm going to think. Life, where do you want to go? What are you needing from God? Where do you see your life being at? You need a job? God, I'm expecting a job. I want a good job. I want one that's going to pay all my bills and I'm going to have an extra supply. I want you to take a few moments, everybody, if you'll practice with me just a moment, you can redo it later. But this is what I want. My petition is, what is a petition? A petition, I had to write it down. I had to look it up. Let me find my definition. Oh, my good. I must have wrote it on another. Oh, here it is. It's a formal written request, typically one signed by many a people appealing to an authority. It's a request for something desired, especially a respectful request to a superior or one in authority. So this is what, what have you been praying about? What have you been praying for? You know, I've heard financial people say this. If you want to know where you're spending, if you want to know what your life is about and dream, let me see your checkbook and I can walk through your log and see where you're spending your money and I'll tell you where you're going. Prayer is the very same way. What are you praying about on a daily basis for your life? If you can't think of something, just write something down real quickly. Something just come. Come, I'm not asking you to write a book. I'm just saying, you're not going to give it to me. You're going to keep it. And you can go back. I'm trying to challenge our thoughts. So while you're doing that, I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost for a few moments. Father, thank you for giving us insight of how your kingdom will operate, Lord. I pray for understanding of that tonight more fully. Even in me, God, I want to know how to live and receive everything that you have for us that this house can walk in your fullness. Oh, karabasitele bokosatela makaya. 
Mandi de boku bronde be shatele boko satele de bakaya. Father Abasa Ribo Santele Bokoya. God, I thank you tonight that we're going to move in a whole new level, a whole different arena. Father, of your blessing, of what you've intended for us to be in, what you've intended for us to walk in and have. Oh, God, I thank you for it right now. I'm not asking you to write a book. Just write, just write something down a little bit. and When you get done, you can look back up at me. That way I know most of you are done. Because then i got to ask you a couple questions about it. Okay? You can keep writing if you want, but I, because of time, I, I, I want to go ahead. Let me ask this question. Is what you just wrote down... Is it the will of God, what you're asking? Does it line itself up with the word of God? You need to ask that question. Well, pastor, I want a home. I believe it's the will of God. He gave houses to his people. He said, I'll give you houses you didn't build. If you need an automobile, I believe it's what you got to have it. It's a tool you got to get around. Is what you're asking... What you wrote down, is it, do you believe with all your heart that's the will of God? You know, I think we get hung up there in religion. Well, I don't know if God really wants me to have that. I said something about that last week, I think. And I thought later, I wish I hadn't have said that. Because I don't think God cares if I got a suit on or I got a t-shirt on. I, I really don't think God cares if I live in a, a big house or a small house. I don't think God cares if I drive a Rolls or I drive a Volkswagen. I, I really don't. I, I, I don't think it makes that big of an issue to God. But if it concerns me, is needed in my life, then I believe it becomes the will of God. So I got to ask you first, or what we praying about is the will of God. Here's the second thing. is what you wrote down, are you praying about that on daily basis? Because remember, I'll wrap up right here. Paul said, in everything, by prayer. And prayer is just coming to God. It's this relationship. It's this connection with, with Father. In everything, by prayer. And so I, I put a place on there for you to sign because if you can read a petition, but if you don't sign it, you don't agree with it. And that's why I said you need to be in agreement with what you're praying. So many times we're not even in agreement with it ourselves. <laughs> Hello? So that's why I said you need to sign it. I wrote one for the church for what I believe beyond what is our vision. I also sat down and wrote one for me and my family especially me and Diane. And part of that, I said this, I want to be healthy, strong, and vibrant, and I want to live long. I don't want to check out early. I believe it's the will of God. I don't want to be crippled. The other day, I'm going for coffee. Now, guys, don't give me a rough time. I pulled in McDonald's. I've got a pastor friend on the, on the, on the line with me talking over my speakerphone. I get to line. He said, be sure to tell him, I said, McDonald's, that you're a senior. I said, dude, what's wrong with you? Now, again, if you're doing it, don't nobody, don't nobody give me a rough time. I'm not opposing you for doing it. But I'm not going to talk myself into getting old over 45 cents. That really, this really happened just yesterday. So I'm up to the thing. The lady asked, I said, I want a large decaf coffee. He's talking to me. And he says, real, he's a senior. <laughs> so when I get to the window, you know what she gives me? A small senior cup of coffee. But sometimes, here again, these are principles of the kingdom. You talk yourself out of the life that God, and I'm just too old, I can't do that. That's another message for another day. 
But we worry about that. I put, I'm not going to worry about my future. Because my future belongs to God. I'm his kid. He is not going to let us go under and go without. That's why I signed it. I'm agreeing. There were other things that I put on. That's just between me and my wife. But I put, but I'm going to. I said, God, this is what I'm believing for. You said, if I ask and it's according to your will, and if I believe you hear me, then what? I have whatsoever I ask. So he said, ask. He said, ask. You don't ask, you can't get. A number of years ago, I wanted a new truck. I did. So I went looking at new trucks. And when I looked at the price of new trucks, woo, I still want a new truck. I had just talked to him today about it. Hey, God, be nice. I do that with everything. I talk to him about shoes, clothes. I do. I go fishing. Hey, God, I'd like some fish today. <laughs> yeah. So until I, till I looked, this is several years ago, I, got, I finally got it. So I saw the price of a new truck, and I told God, I want a new truck. I don't want somebody's used truck. Not that it wasn't good. God's blessed me with nice vehicles through people over years. Man, I can't tell you how many, what God has done for us. And everything was nice that he put in our hands. But I said this one time, God, I want something that I can put all the miles on. So I looked and, ooh. So you know what it is? I'm operating in faith. I talked about it and I'd go look. But I didn't go to the new lot. I went to the used lot. Because this is how we do. I'm look. Oh, this is a nice. I almost bought a used one. It was a nice 2014 Ford F-150 solid black lot of chrome. It was everything low miles. Price was right. It was in Paducah. I went over, me and I with visitor folks. I drove it over to let my father-in-law look at it. First thing he wants to do, I don't know why we men do this, we pull up the hood. Like that's going to make a difference. <laughs> and I leaned up against that black truck. Just had my arms looking at that motor. Couldn't tell even where the dipstick was. But I was looking. <laughs> and when I lifted my hands off of that truck, all I could see was the smudges of the oil off of my skin on that truck. And I thought, I am not going to deal with this. So I decided to take it back. I didn't want that black truck. It was beautiful, but I wasn't good. I'm not into clean that much. And then I'm looking in a used car, and I'm praying, Oh, God, I'm believing you to provide me a new truck. God, you can do anything. And just as sure as I'm talking to you, I heard the Lord say this. Well, you're not going to get a new truck looking in a used lot. I'm just telling you how he talked to me. But see, we're asking one thing, but we're believing for something different. Is really what we're doing. So I'm challenging you to take this. I'm making, you ought to write it out. Do it differently than what, just a simple exercise. But take it out because your prayer life determines where you're going. It's determining what you're believing for, what you're looking for, where you're going. It's prophetic. It's setting your course. I just want God to move. And that's how most of the church operate. I just want him to move. I want people healed. I want them saved. That's it. I, I got to shut up. It's three minutes over. Years ago, I had this church growth guy, hired him, came in. And we was in Paducah then. And he said, the number one thing that most churches say when they hire somebody. I, and I'm guilty. We want to grow. We just want to grow. Number one thing. Every church, he said, everywhere I go, that's their number one thing. But he said, the problem is nobody wants to do what it takes to grow. And I found myself there. Because things that he told me back there 
others are doing and have far exceeded what we could ever imagine. It wasn't his fault. And I've gone through that several times with different people. And you know what they do? They tell me the same thing. So whose fault is it? Maybe it's right here. Maybe it's here, John. Maybe it's not what we think. Maybe it's not even the devil. Maybe we're just not operating in kingdom principle. But I don't think Jesus ever had an issue that he didn't get a prayer request answered. No matter what the need was. And I believe that's what God intends for all of us. Come on and stand with me. Father, I thank you tonight for the great privilege that I've had to share your word. And God, I need it as much as anybody in this room. I need to know how your kingdom operates. I want to know, Jesus, if you said to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then Lord, forgive me when I try to do it in Zach. When I try to do it in my own intellect, instead of saying, God, what do you want us to do? So, Lord, I'm asking you tonight for everybody in this room that you would grant to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and that the eyes of our understanding will be open and we will know the hope of your calling and your riches of your glory that is in us that we might manifest the fullness, God, of all of your goodness and glory that all will see and know that you are God. Father, bless this people tonight. God, I pray a special blessing over Pastor Chad and Alexis and the team that's taken all of these young people to Atlanta. I speak angels around them that they will have a supernatural encounter. God there, Lord, and those kids will forever be transformed and changed. God, I believe that. And Lord, I pray for everyone back here. God, that your hand will be with them and they will see your glory and your grace. God, I pray that our nation... God will see you like it's never seen you before and turn their heart. They'll come running to you, God. I believe you for that right now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everybody. God bless.